Atlanta, and welcome to Atlanta Zone, a socio-political podcast by two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in politics, history, and current events. I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me as always is Adam clemson Kalau. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, such a pleasure and an honor to see you this week. I'm really excited about our format change. It really needed to happen, I think, you know, considering the events, recent events in Atlanta sports, I think we've just gotten to a point where we don't want to talk about that anymore. No, no, it's not good for mental health or well-being. So now we're going to dive into the larger topics yes. and appeal to a larger audience. Yes. So Things this- that actually matter, things that people don't want to escape from, but things they must confront. Yes, I've, I've been working on catching up on my current events. Of course. Watch the Republican national debate last night on CNBC. Which candidate stood out to you the most? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Atlanta sports fans? Uh, I don't remember the thing anymore. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Funny Funny Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports with wackiest hijinks and analysis. We will never be a sociopolitical podcast, no matter how much the Falcons disappoint us. Adam, how's it going, sir? Oh, Graham. Graham, it's going. It's going. I got broken this week, man. And you're broken. I've been Mr. Positivity. You don't understand the Falcons are broken. You know, is there any... It's not just the Falcons. You know, obviously we, we went through the Braves. That's one thing. At least but, the Braves produce a winning team, even if they don't win the World Series every year. They're the, at least in the mix and they're good. You know, they entertain us. Brutal playoff loss, though. Very frustrating. Yes, High expectations. Yes. Crushed. Right. And then Falcons, I've kind of just been riding along. We got off to what? 3 1 start. You know, we're over 500. Were we 3 1? I think we're 3 1. Because we've gone 2 5 since the 2 0 start. We have four wins. So that, I don't know. No, either way. Either way. Either way, we're in a good position. We were positive for a while. And then it was just like, yeah, no, we just need to turn it around. And then we had this whole Ritter-Heineke debate nonstop. And then we finally get Heineke, and we think things are going to change. And then we just have the most true to Atlanta. Just like, you can't script this any worse for us where we're facing a quarterback that doesn't even know... The playbook. The playbook. The players on his offense and Josh Dobbs, who just got traded from the Cardinals yeah. to the Vikings. Yeah, or the cadences, snap counts. Doesn't know shit. anything. Was not planning on playing at all. And just a game absolute, we should crush them. And not only that, Adam, they're without Justin Jefferson. And then K.J. Osborne, their other re- good receiver, goes out early in the game. And then Jaron Hall, the guy who was starting at quarterback, also goes out in the game. It was like, it was like God was handing us favors, and we told him to go fuck himself. Just, you know, Koo had like 17 field goals. We could have been up like 37 nothing in the first half. Yeah. But ended up being, what, like 15-15 at the half, 12-12? 11-10. of First course. time in NFL history. Safety. We got a safety. That was exciting. That was the best part of the last month of Atlanta <laughs> sports. Calais Campbell gets a safety. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's tough, Graham. Yeah. It's tough. It's inexcusable. And for the first time all year, I'm officially concerned. That's great. I'm glad you're on the critical um, critical train. You know, I've been getting 
more and more negative as the weeks have gone on, as I'm sure you've noticed. No. <laughs> no. And as I'm sure our users have noticed. I apologize for last week's episode. I think I was out of control. I don't think either one of us did a great job of listening to each other, but I think we'll we'll write that this week. I think What'd mostly... What'd you say? Yeah, mostly me, though. I think I did a, a, a very poor job. I would just try to make a point. I didn't do a very good job of it, and then... You wouldn't respond, and then I just got angrier and angrier, and then it led to nowhere. So I think we'll have a try to have a constructive discussion here this week. And I, I put most of the blame on myself uh, for last week, but yeah, things aren't great. That's very NPR-ish of you, right? Well, we started with an NPR parody. Might as well keep it up. Okay, yeah, let's be civilized. Let's this be week. civilized. We can still be emotional. We can still make points, but you know, we'll listen a little more this week. So I, I think here's the biggest problem I have with what's going on with the Falcons right now, and it's the quarterback position. Um, you know, we were complaining, and we said this last week. We were like, all right, we think the right move's been made putting Heineke in, at least to win now. There's a better chance to win now than with Ritter, probably, just because he's a veteran, he's been around, he's been productive, right? But the problem you're facing at the moment with Heineke, who was very average last week, one touchdown, one interception, I think he was like 21 of 39 for like 200. 30 yards like could argue he should have thrown about three to four interceptions yeah he almost and yeah he should have easily could have thrown three or four picks he's a gunslinger you know he's a poor man's very poor man's brett Favre. um wasn't really much better than ritter although he did avoid pressure in the pocket a lot better only got sacked once you can see just his awareness is a million times better than ritter right now but uh, the problem with this quarterback switch is that it really i think screws us moving forward because you still have to find out if Ritter's the guy or not. I don't think he's the guy at all. But you've you've made the bet. You've done the dumb thing at the quarterback position by not finding a like solidifying that position at all. And you're banking on this third round guy that's had so many negative things said about him in terms of his accuracy, in terms of his pocket presence, you know, before he was drafted. But he said, you know what, fuck it, we're gonna go with this guy. Okay, fine. Well, do it then. I think this is a short sighted move to put in Heineke is now this further stunts Ritter's development. By not having to start these two games, because um, Heineke's starting again this week, and I think it sets us back even farther because of this decision. Because now we still don't know if Ritter can be the guy or not, or, or show improvement. He has, for his, and I'm not defending Desmond Ritter, but I, I will say he has shown improvement in his awareness and his ability to step up in the pocket. He's still turned the ball over way too much. In retrospect, after seeing Heineke, I'm like, what are we doing here? This kind of like, this isn't really much better. It is in some respects, but not enough to be like over the top better. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I love seeing Ritter sitting on the bench. He didn't look smug, but I think he's playing this really well. Yeah. Like, he's still being a supportive teammate. Saying all the right things. But, like, he had kind of had that look of, like, like when Heineke came out and threw that brutal pick in the second half. That was a tough stretch, man, where Bijan fumbles. It's yeah. like, we're starting to have control of this game. Bijan fumbles, and then Heineke throws the pick. It's mm-hmm. just like... The first play of each drive, it's just I, I went to get like a cup of coffee. Come yeah. back, we don't have the ball anymore. Like, Freaking, what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Josh Dobbs is driving again. He's figured out the players in his huddle. And yeah, it very frustrating. But yes, Heineke was he was fine. I agree with you, Graham. But you know, at the end of the day, like I don't think the offense has been our issues the last couple weeks no but no. To, but to go back to the quarterback thing real quick what do you think about this do you think what i'm saying is like does that screw us sort of maybe not long term but maybe for even like ritter's development this season just saying like all right we're gonna make this change and it's still not, I mean, like yeah we did score 28 points so fine hooray hurrah it might be better but just in terms of a long-term outlook of the franchise to really see if this guy's the guy 
was that I don't think it's the right decision. I just want to know what you think. I, I don't think I've changed my mind just based off losing one week. Like last week, we kind of right. said this was the right decision. Right. I don't you're, you're instantly think train. it's the wrong decision. Right. I think if we lose to the Cardinals this week, making it three straight like ridiculous quarterback situations where, you know, we lost to the Redskins where... Oh, no, sorry. The Commanders, Adam. The Commanders. Come on. You can't. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right, Graham. (laughs) I'm not there. I think think I'm used to, like, my brain is so used to, like, having to battle you. I'm not, like, prepared to slow down and just, you know. Say say the right term for something. So the last three weeks, Graham. Yes. We've lost to a rookie quarterback. Yep. And Will Levis. Two rookie quarterbacks, if you really want to get technical. Because Levis, or not Levis, uh, Malik Willis took some snaps, too. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, game we should have won. Yep. We've lost to Josh Dobbs, who didn't know the playbook. Yep. And now we have Kyler Murray, who's coming off a major knee injury. So if we lose that one again, I think, to circle back to the quarterback, our quarterbacks, I think you can just bring Ritter back at that point. Right. And his development's not stunted. Maybe sure. he's got a little more confidence. Yeah. That is like, okay, they're going to let me have this and run with it for the rest of the year. Right. Um, if you do that, then you have like enough games to really see. You know, you're, you have a full season out of Ritter is basically what you want with the four games last last year plus yeah. this season. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think we got – now this is the first week I've really been into like the Arthur Smith and is, is this the right man leading this team? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen, your to your point about the press conferences, I don't think that's an end-all, be-all, but his arrogance is really frustrating yeah. when you're not winning. And yeah. this is the first year where we can actually judge him by what's going on on the field because he has the players behind him. The last two years, we're kind of we had, had a big runway. But the most disturbing thing to me is the running game. Yeah. Like, what has happened to our great running game? We add... Bijan Robinson, who, like, that was the big thing on Twitter this week about mm-hmm. how he's only getting 12 to 14 carries. And not even just carries, touches. Just touches, touches in general. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, not out there in the red zone at all. We're, you know, we're in love with Jonu Smith and giving him, letting him play quarterback, letting him Jet do end around. <laughs> yeah, you like, name it, Jonu Smith has done it. And, like, on. don't, like, hate on Jonu Smith. Like, he's been good, good. good for him. Yeah, but, and, he, and he's but, been good. But, I mean, that's that's what I was saying. That That's what has kind of, like, put me over the top Yeah, as far as, like, you know, starting to question Arthur Smith is that we did spend these first-round picks on skill position players and Kyle Pitts, Trey London, and Bijan, and we're not using them. Yeah, it it's crazy. And it I, I started I started watching yesterday's press conference where you can tell Arthur Smith is definitely a lot more subdued. He's kind of taken the oh, I need to like lay back a little bit. Yeah, I watched like ten minutes of that, and it was just I don't know what he was saying. Like he's just kind of babbling, he's, and like he's a psycho. Like his main point that he was getting out was that. He's all about having a balanced attack and wants to use all of his weapons. And, you know, we need to go back and look at why the why was this decision made? What went mm-hmm. wrong? Why mm-hmm. didn't it work? And he's like, I'm not trying to make excuses, but this is what we have to do. It's like, that's fine, but I don't know, man. Time to get humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, I, th- I think his seat's getting a little hot. His seat is definitely getting hot. And I think, I think honestly, he is making excuses. He's doing a lot of things like maybe there's a penalty. Maybe there's a, a look that we didn't like or whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting here thinking we had first and goal at the one and a half after uh, we forced a turnover last week. 
And we start with a false start. And by Lindstrom, again, do a screen pass to Janu. The Jets sweep to Janu. Uh, that didn't work on third down. And it's like, you know, we had we the defense forced two turnovers. And we had negative six yards of total offense after those turnovers. It's inexcusable. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's laughable. inexcusable. That's and it's laughable. like, why is Jonu Smith featured so heavily in the red zone? Like, I, I just don't understand. And like, Bijan Robinson with goal to go, not in the red zone, but with goal to go, has one touch this season. That's bullshit. I, I, you can say whatever the fuck you want, Arthur Smith. That is bullshit. You can take a long look in the mirror. Here's the thing that I, I before I get too, um, too crazy. Is, which we're not doing this week. Which we're not doing this week, but so I'm just gonna you know cut myself off a little bit. But I do have to say, Arthur Smith's version of creativity is to create mismatches using players you don't expect, rather than using your best players and putting them in situations to create mismatches. That's what he's doing. He's using guys like Johnu Smith. He's using guys like you know like the Johnu Smith to Michael Pruitt flea flicker in the red zone against Tennessee. He's doing all this bullshit. And it's like you know what? Can we just stop doing this east to west trick play bullshit in the red zone and just? Give the ball to Bijan on Algier at the one and just say, go score between the tackles or the guards, whatever. Like, just go fucking score. Can we, and like, I understand the concept, and I think that's good occasionally to catch them off guard. Yes. But it seems to be his go-to, at which point you're not catching people off guard anymore. No. And can we not just do that damn Philly tush-push? Yeah, just, it's legal. It's still legal. Do it. Like, I've watched enough Eagles games this year. And just like any time they're at the one, it's, it's a like great play, a guaranteed touchdown. Yeah, like I don't know if we're just not capable of quarterback sneaking to get where we're always like starting out of the shotgun. Uh, it's it's tough, Graham. Yeah, it, it's it's a hard team to watch, and it's been that way all year. It's just been frustrating. Like go back to Bijan getting only like thirteen touches or whatever. I looked at that Packers game again. You know how many touches he got in that game? 25. Yeah, 24 or 25. And he was dominant. He had like 120 yards rushing, like 40 yards receiving. He scored like a couple, like at least one touchdown, you know, and it was a receiving touchdown. But he was he took over the game. It's like you have this game-changing back here that can take over the game, and you're not utilizing him at all in a meaningful way. You're giving him 11 carries for 60 yards every week. He's averaging five yards a carry. That's great. Why feature him? Feature him some more, man. I just I just don't understand why we can't put our playmakers in situations where, like I said, create mismatches with your best players. Like, can we do that? I would love just to see more just runs to Bijan. I know he fumbled last week and that sucked, but it's like the the talent is there. The guy is a could, has a potential to be a generational talent. We saw that in that Green Bay game. He was unbelievable. And ever since then, we've just like gotten away from using him. And I I really don't understand it. It's, it's baffling to me as a fan. Yeah, like, I mean, I love Algier as well, and I understand why you use him in the red zone. But um, he hasn't been great this year. He's a bowling ball. He but is, like, but he's only averaging three yards a carry. Right. The fact that they're splitting carries, and I think we mentioned that last week, is insane. Right, and, and then you got to – it's almost like you have too many weapons, like where he feels he has to get Corderell's touches as well. And Corderell was great. Like, our best running game – that's what's weird is our, our best rushing game, like, since week two – was yeah. Tampa Bay um, yeah. when Bijan wasn't playing. Right. What's right. up with that? It's it's weird. And it's like I don't know why we Maybe can't get just Tampa Bay's defense sucks. Their defense is actually one of the better qualities, I would say, but um but to your point, like Corderell's still got a lot of gas in the tank, and if you're not going to use them running as much because you got Bijan and, and Tyler, 
I don't understand why he can't line up more. I don't, I don't know what his snap count is, but I don't think it's as high as it should be. Um, you, yeah, and it could be a thing like you're talking about. There's like a, a, an issue with trying to find plays for everybody, but I think you just got to... Like the one thing that really upset me in this game is Heineke throwing the ball 39 times. It makes no sense to me. There is that play where we score the touchdown at the end of the game. I think that put us up before Josh Dobbs' miracle comeback at the end, um, or expected comeback if you're a Falcons fan. Um, where we rushed the ball like 12 times in a row for like 70 yards and we just mauled them. And it's like, like, why can't we get back to, (laughs) why can't we get back to running the football more to, you know, establish the run? Arthur Smith seems to be like this year. And this has happened multiple times. Like it happened in the Carolina game to start the season where he's like, we're going to get Ritter back there and throw the ball a bunch. And then he adjusted and at the half. And then we ran the ball more when Ritter just didn't have it that day. But I don't know why we are getting away from our identity the last, uh, especially last year when we our, our running game was just beastly, and now we got an even better running back. Now, like, why are we getting away from that? Why are we trying to throw the damn ball so much? It's like it's the same thing as like with having all these weapons, where you're going to, you know, unexpected guys. They're doing he's doing the same thing where it's like, oh, they're expecting us to rush. We're a rushing team. Let's show that we can throw it 35 times just and win th- that way. Yeah, he's just out thinking so himself. Just, yeah, dude, it, it, like, because I'm a little, like, I get a little overwhelmed thinking about what you need to do because I'm like, huh, how would I balance this? Oh, what would I do there? Oh, I want to use all these guys. Huh, that makes sense. Like, I understand it. Yeah. But I'm also not a football coach. Right. Who, like, like been being paid he, he seems like he's as this. overwhelmed as I am yeah. just processing because I don't have all the the quarterback thing. Uh-huh. That's tough. I could go either way there. I understand sure. why they're you're conflicted. Yeah. But like I need my football coach to like have conviction. Yeah, and it's one of those things too. Yeah, I think he's like too close to it almost. And as not someone who's a football, I, I've never played football at all. I've never coached in football and i'm not like all i know is just what i know as a fan and playing madden for 20 years at this point so it's like very little but thinking about it from like a creative standpoint for me you know you know music film whatever it's like sometimes you get really close to the material as a creative and then sometimes you don't make the right decision about things because you're too close to it and i've done that a million times and i've also made the right decision a million times it's just sort of like I think Arthur Smith's in a period right now where he's just way too close to what's going on, and he can't think outside the box because of the proximity to the issues that are that we're having right now. And he just, I don't know what he needs to do, but he needs to step away or get some outside opinion or something or talk more to his coaches. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's too close to it. He is in mental midget mode where he's just overthinking everything right now. He's too close to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's also, I mean, so that brings up, you know, his coaching, the coaching staff where you do lose a veteran guy like Dean Pease. And obviously Dean Pease wasn't like helping with the offense last year, but having a veteran coach like that in the locker room to kind of like run things yeah, back bounce forth ideas off might have helped. And like the yeah. last two years, we're like, oh, this guy's overachieving. Yeah. And it's kind of the opposite this year. So mm-hmm. maybe he is a little over his head and like needs like someone that has more experience to just to like be a mentor. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have that. Like Jeff Nielsen, as good of a job as he's done minus the last two games as defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, or excuse me, Ryan Nielsen. Uh, you know, he's never been a defensive coordinator before. Dave Ragone. Dave Ragone's been there. even calling play. So like, then right. do, do we, does he need to give up play calling? Uh, that was something that came up this week. Um, and you know, I listened to his interview with, uh, who was it? Dukes and bell yesterday. And, you know, he, you know, he was very kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to give that up in so many words. So. Oh, so um, Mike Bell did ask him about that? Yeah. 
How did that interview go? I, I just, you know, Mike Bell was like basically as angry as you were last week times 10. Right. But Mike, Mike Bell, when he interviews Arthur Smith, like they're very, you can tell they're walking on eggshells. You can tell, like, even though they ask some good questions, they're not going to, like, go for the jugular. They're not going to ask the really tough questions. Well, you want them to come in every week. Yeah, and also it's like they are the flagship of the Falcons. they got to be careful of that relationship. Right. Um, you know, especially when you're talking to the coach personally, like in person at Flowery Branch. So it's like it was it was fine. But, you know, he was just but, you know, to Arthur Smith's credit, he did say it's like, you know, I get the criticism. I get the criticism. It's like you're in the, you know, it's like this is sports entertainment business. If you're a boring team and you're losing, like this isn't this isn't what people are looking for. Like if you're a chef at a restaurant, and your food sucks. No one wants to go to your restaurant. Like I get it. Like we gotta. He's acknowledging that things aren't working, which I appreciate. So hopefully, he is stepping back and sort of realizing, okay, let me slow down. Let me just like not try to be the smartest guy in the room and just be like, let's get make sure we get B. John twenty five touches this week. Be it through the air, through the ground, whatever. Let's make sure we target Kyle a little more. Maybe it's just like. He just needs maybe maybe he's taken a little bit of a step back this week. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but the track record says he won't. But I, I hope to Christ he does. We're facing a one and what one and seven Cardinals team. But they've been frisky. Dude, I've I've watched an unholy amount of Cardinals games this year for some reason. I don't know why. But like I knew when Josh Dobbs came in the game, I was terrified. Me too, man. Dude, he's he's been a gamer all year. He he is. Like, he beat the Cowboys. That was their one victory. He beat the Cowboys, and he played really well in that game. He's played well all season long. Um, he's not gonna. He's not a world beater, but he is a solid, solid quarterback, and he's a lot better than he's ever been in his career. And, you know, the Cardinals were in a lot of games that they played. They just seemed to, like, suck in the second half for some reason, but the first half, they're, they're a frisky, feisty team, and, and their coach, I can't remember his name, but they play hard for him. And I think, you know, they're the getting back. The Eagles. Yeah, they're getting back. Kyler Murray. James Conner. And James Conner's coming back this week, too. It's like it's like a perfect storm for a Falcons letdown. Maybe it'll be like the opposite to where, you know, the last couple weeks it seemed like we had a big advantage quarterback-wise, and now it's the first time where, like, you know, the Cardinals are going to have the best player on the field in Kyler Murray. Right. But it's also like he's never played in this offense before. This will be Kyler Murray's first time playing under this new coach. Yeah. Jonathan something? I can't remember. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Old Eagles offensive coordinator. Yeah, so he obviously has been in a winning organization and knows how to win. He's, he's fielded a team that is definitely rebuilding, but a team that plays hard. Like if if you walk in thinking you're going to win on Sunday, you will get you could get steamrolled. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Record be damned. Like you got to just yeah. know how close they've been in so many games, and this is the healthiest they've been all year. Yeah. So. And. I don't know, man. It'd be brutal to lose this, then go to the bye with all this laying all over this our head. Baggage, like, yeah. you, like, and I think that's like Arthur Smith just kept saying in that in that Dukes and Bell interview. He just said, "We have to win this game." Like he was like, "We have to win this Cardinals game." Like it, it was almost like it was the most human I've ever heard him when he was saying that. It was like almost like a tinge of desperation, like. Oh my! Because I asked him about like, what do you think like the long ter- long term outlook as a quarterback, and he's like, "It's like this is going to sound you know kind of." Like I'm dismissing it, but it's like I we really have to win this game. Like we absolutely have to win. I was like, okay, I respect that. It's like he he understands the seriousness of the situation. I'm sure Arthur Blank is breathing fire down his ass right now too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why he's probably going with Heineke as well, is because he knows he needs to start winning some games, or 
you know, yeah. three years, that's kind of what you get in the NFL to kind yeah. of prove yourself. And and the first two years were, were bullshit, you know, because it's like you're inheriting a franchise that had been totally destroyed by Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. And then so and you're in cap hell. You had no, inability to do anything with that salary cap. This is the first year where it's like it's really your team now. You were able to bring all these pieces in free agency. You drafted another skill position player for some reason. And <laughs> it was like, but this is your team. And you have your, your supposed guy at quarterback. And we're four and five for the third year in a row. To me, it's like nothing's really changed, even though some things have. It doesn't feel much different from the last six years of this organization. You know, we had 15 missed tackles last week. Yeah, let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about the defense. That's, I mean... Pathetic. We should have won that game. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day. We had him at, what, 4th and 18 at the end yes. of the game there? Yeah, there's also... he picks up 25 yards. It was 4th and 7 on that, uh, that scramble. Well, he picked up, like, 20-something yes, yards. Yes, but it was 4th and 7. But, like, the first half, they played pretty good. They were stout and run defense. They got the safety. They forced two turnovers. Uh, Contavious Street came up with that big fumble recovery off, off of uh, Josh Dobbs. You had Bud Dupree getting in on the action. Ebikede got the strip sack. Uh, they looked good in the first half. In the second half, something got in the water at halftime or something, though. I, I don't. Dobbs, I, Dobbs learned who his players are. Yeah, and like he was just tearing us up. And then he's not the best scrambling quarterback, but that fourth and seven play, we missed five tackles on that play alone. <laughs> I counted it. I went back and looked at it. We had a spy today. on him, I think. I don't know if we ever did have a spy on him because I saw like, them spying a couple times. Oh, really? Because like yeah. every time it seemed like he took off, it was like, "Thank your boy Landman." Well, okay, my boy Landman. Come on, Landman. But either way, that's your boy. It is my boy. I love Landman. I'll defend him to the death. But you know, either way, it was just it was just sad to watch this team just like like fourth and seven too. It's like I can't remember who missed the first tackle, but that would have been game ending sack. Been over. Yeah. Missed tackle. Then it would have been like three yards later, another missed tackle. And then he was getting to the first down marker, another missed tackle. And then even Bates missed the tackle at the end. He got out of bounds, for Christ's sake. It was like, <laughs> Jesus. He scampered for, what, was it 22, 23 yards on that play? And um, they're all playing scared. Yeah, it was like, we're playing not to lose against the Vikings, who are down their franchise quarterback, down their star wide receiver, down K.J. Osborne, down their backup quarterback. It's like we are acting like it's like, oh, we're not ready for this against the Vikings, who are banged up more than almost any team in, in the NFL right now. But yet they've won four games in a row. So maybe that says a lot about their character. I don't know. Yeah, there's something like when your team... You know, early on, the last two games, we've put up, what, 25-plus points last two games? Yeah, we scored 23, I believe, in Tennessee and 28 last week. So, and, yeah. like, before that, our defense was giving up, like, 15 or less. Yeah. But then we start scoring more points. Defense is giving up more. Right. It's like some, that you can just tell that something is off. Something's off. With this chemistry when yeah. the, the two units just can't align. Yeah. and But I will say this, though. If the Falcons... Can, could have scored a touchdown at the one yard line. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Like we would have won the fucking game. Same thing with if we, we recovered the ball on the thirty. Um, we would have if we could have scored a touchdown there on their thirty. We could have won the game. The defense, for as bad as they were in the second half, they put us in a position to win the game. And the offense, even though they scored twenty eight points, and two of those go to the defense by the way because of the safety. The defense still made plays, made impact plays where you could have been in a position to win the game if you just execute your shit. And it still comes down to Arthur Smith overthinking things, I think, overall. 
Yeah, the one thing I got out of his press conference was that we're 50% on touchdowns in the red zone, yeah, which we, is we, bad. Atrociously bad. Um, it, yeah, that's like... His Titan teams were th- more like 75-plus. Yeah, it's like 19th in the NFL, I think, which is surprising. <laughs> um, and also, we've only scored 15 touchdowns all year, and we're 9 we played nine games. Fifteen? Only fifteen touchdowns. Frickin' CJ Stroud had like five or six alone last week. Yeah, and we've only had one touchdown that didn't come outside the red zone. That was the Johnny Smith screen where he scampered for like forty five yards. And then falls in the tunnel. And fall, that was funny. I will say this about Johnu for as much shit I was giving him for that play calling. Johnu is balling out. Like Johnu has been really good this year. He's been so good, Adam, that Johnu has four hundred and twenty two yards. As the backup tight end, guess how many yards that uh, Pitts has? I say 322. 389. And he has more targets. So John has been more uh, efficient. And by he, I mean that uh, Pitts has more targets than John knew. So it's it's just weird, man. Like I hope I, you know, I hope there's someone in, in y'all's life, you users out there that loves you as much as Arthur Smith loves John New Smith. I mean, I do get the argument that, like, Janu, you know, he's got a lot more one-on-ones than Pitts is going to have yeah, and I'm, all I'm, that. And yeah. Like, there's, yeah, I mean, it's great that we have Janu Smith. Yeah, it's not saying don't use him, but don't overuse him, for God's sake. Right. You yeah. got better go- – especially in the red zone, you got better pieces there. Like, Kyle Pitts, remember that um, – it was the Commanders game. About to say Redskins like you <laughs> earlier. But the Commanders <laughs> game when Kyle Pitts scores It's going to take us like 10 years to fix that one. Yeah. Uh, when, when Kyle Pitts – Scores this touchdown the red zone, uh, like in the first half, and it was just like a mismatch. Ritter hit him perfectly, and he like broke a tackle, and then got in the end zone. I was like, yes, yes, here's the red zone weapon coming out. And then he wasn't even on the field. Like there were there were multiple plays on that on that one yard when we were at the one yard line where Smith or excuse me Pitts and Bijan were not on the field. I just don't know how you do that, especially when Drake London is injured. Like what? It's it's. It's like I'm, I'm nervous thinking about our first time in the red zone this week. <laughs> oh my god, it's just so much, it's so much pressure. Then you know all these players are feeling it. And you know that Arthur Smith's feeling it. Ragone, all those guys are feeling it. Here's another thing that is, is very upsetting that I learned this week that I didn't know. Guess who? This who's the only team in the NFL that does not have a quarterback coach. Yeah, that's wild that we don't. We don't have a quarterback coach. What's up with that? Makes no sense. <laughs> um, for especially for a guy that. Like Ritter, who you know only started four games last year. We don't have a like who's running the quarterback room. Like what the hell is going on? Like Arthur Smith, yes, should be involved. Ragone should be involved in his development. They should be instrumental. But when they're doing other things, you got to have your quarterback coach there all the time, coaching coaching them up. You know who Matt Ryan's quarterback coach coach was during the Super Bowl season? Raheem Morris. Uh, no, Lafleur, mm. uh, who's the coach of the Packers That's right now. That's crazy. And like I think we had so many amazing coaches on our staff, dude. And that's the crazy thing that the kid from uh, Miami, he was on our staff, wasn't McDaniel. he? Daniel, yeah, yeah. And it's like that's the crazy thing. Like when Shanahan left, I was like, oh, surely Lafleur will take over because he was like apparently like a really big like architect of that offense. Like he like worked with Shanahan like in depth. And I was like, oh no, we don't think he has enough experience. Let's go hire Steve Sarkeesian uh, out of USC, who has no experience with our offense. That was a record-setting NFL offense. It was like the Falcons just do dumb shit where it's like the obvious answer is right in front of you. It doesn't matter what the regime is. It could be the Jim Moore era, the Mike Smith era, this era, Dan Quinn era. It's like we just make the dumbest fucking decisions and it's like we have good alternatives to this I guess you could argue that Raheem Morris could have been a better hire than Arthur Smith. You could. 
Like the team played the hard team for played him when, super he, when he was in the team. And we're, you know, and now he's like one of the hottest head coaching candidates. Right. So that's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt when Dan Smith, I mean, Dan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> all these Dans and all these it's Smiths. Smith, Mike Come, Smith, Dan Quinn. Dan when, Quinn. <laughs> when Dan Quinn ends up like winning a Super Bowl. Well, that's the thing. So, like, last thing I want to talk about these Falcons is Arthur Blank. I, you know, I've been vocal about this for years. I think he needs to sell the team. Like going back to like 2020, I was like, this is bad. Like we are in a terrible position. He's think about all the, the, the hires he's, he's done, right? First hire Jim Mora out of here in three years, one trip to the NFC title game, one winning season. Mike Smith, or excuse me, Bobby Petrino, awful hire. We know what happened there. Um, you know, then we got, and you can say, like, hey, Bobby Petrino is an asshole, but it's also like Arthur Blank is evaluating if he's an asshole before he hires him, you know? Uh, you got Mike Smith, who is the best coach in Falcons history. Like it or not, he's won the most games, had the most sustained success. He had the first consecutive back-to-back winning seasons in franchise history. Um, got to win an NFC title game, won one playoff game. Not great. And Mike Smith, when he was fired from the Falcons, was never pursued by anybody. No one gave him the light of day. Dan Quinn, one Super Bowl appearance, two, uh, three playoff wins. Probably the best, I guess, in, you talk about postseason in terms most of... Most successful. Most successful, probably. But still, like a total loser who was just like lost a locker room by year three and then was just full of empty platitudes the rest of his career. Um, and now we got Arthur Smith, who we're all questioning here this week. And it's like, you know, knock, knock. Is the problem Arthur Blank hiring all these guys who, you know, we haven't had a coach that's been here more than six seasons under his stewardship. It just says that there's a lack of stability there. Um, you know, he's also hired Dimitrov, who was a total bum who couldn't draft in the trenches to save his life, even though he was a great skill position drafter. So it's like, or GM. So I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Arthur Blank is the root of the problem. And until he leaves, until he sells the team, we will never win a Super Bowl under his stewardship, what in about, my opinion. What about Rich McKay, though? Rich McKay is also a big problem. Like he, he's the one that's he's you know, a huge problem. He's the football too. guy. Yes, I agree. And like, he's been around for this whole time. But yeah. so if Arthur, I think Arthur Blank's a great owner. He just why needs is he to a great owner? Butt out a little bit. But why is he a great owner? Uh, he owns the team. <laughs> he gives us the resources. He great in the community. He, players love him, but he shouldn't be involved in football decisions. Yeah, no, he shouldn't. He also gets way too close to everybody. Remember how he coddled Mike Vick, pushed him around the wheelchair after the injury, does this whole Falcons for life thing, pursues Deshaun Watson, which was the dumbest decision in the world. I guarantee that was not Fontenot. I guarantee that was Arthur Blank saying, we've got to go get Deshaun. When you have no cap space, when the guy has legal troubles at the wazoo, he hasn't also, most importantly on the football field, hasn't played for a year and a half. And guess what? Yeah. He's been terrible in Cleveland. And then you alienate Matt Ryan, who is undisputably the best player in franchise history, and now you're screwed at quarterback. Yeah, it's a bad move. Yeah, it's like Arthur Blank is a dumbass when it comes to football decisions. And you're right. He's very supportive. And, you know, he's also way too loyal to Dan Quinn and Dimitrov, but that's just another, you know, another aside. But he's, you're right. He's got to stay out of the football decisions. And so does and Rich McKay needs to be just – Rich McKay just needs to focus on the bins and he needs to focus on his philanthropic efforts. He does not need to be involved in football decisions. He hasn't been involved as a GM since, like, 2007. What the, what the hell is this guy doing still being involved? I, it's, it's a clown show. It's a clown show in Atlanta 
to me in terms of the entire operation. Also, last thing I'll say about Arthur Blank, he hires the coach before he hires the GM with this scenario with Arthur Smith and Fontenot. He hired the coach first. The GM should hire the coach. Stupid. No one else does that. God. Remember years ago when we... We were like hiring Bill Parcells as like a consultant or something, and then yeah. the Cowboys scooped him up or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need somebody like that. Yes. A guy who's been in the NFL for a long time, knows his shit, and can, you know, we kind of did that with uh, it was the Chiefs, old Chiefs GM, Pioli, Scott Pioli, kind of came in, righted the ship a little bit with Dimitrov. He was around when we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. A guy like that, or here we go, Graham. Yeah. I've got it all figured you got out. Got it all figured out. I'm sure you have a better plan than Arthur Blank. I know does. how to fix everything. Yeah. Let's put as much, and I think like you know hiring like guys on that level. Mm-hmm. That's not part of your salary cap or anything like that. No, it's not. That's so nothing to do with it. Let's take fifty million dollars. Holy shit! <laughs> fifty million. Arthur Blank's fifty million dollars. Okay. You can spend whatever you need. Yeah. Go get Bill Belichick, not to be your coach. Well, if he wants to coach, he can. Whatever he wants to do. I get Belichick to coach his team. Belichick and Robert Kraft are, they're on the outs, Graham. This, this is real Well, they just rumor. signed him to an extension. This is real rumor. They signed him to an extension after the Bills game. Rumors coming out of Boston. Okay. But do you know that, that he signed an extension? I did hear that. Okay. But that could just be for looks. All right. A lot of rumors that they want to move on from Belichick and get Vrabel. Get Vrabel from Tennessee. From Tennessee. Yes. Vrabel's a smart Let's coach. spend however much money it takes, get Belichick down here, and fix things. I would rather, I would say just, if you can get Belichick to come down here, fire Arthur Smith and just put Belichick in it and as coach and say, you're not the general manager. I don't think he would be into that. But I would be all over that, because even though the Patriots suck this year, and I think... A lot of that has to do with Bill as a GM, not as necessarily as a coach, because he he's the GM and the coach. He's like Greg Popovich of the NFL. Um, so I would be all, I would say, like honestly, if you put a gun, if someone puts a gun to your head, who do you want coaching your football team? Bill Belichick or Arthur Smith? Well, that's a no brainer. So then, get Bill Belichick down here. One then. month old Liana can answer that yeah, exactly. question. So don't do the consultant thing. Do the coach thing. Say. You know the guy. Well, maybe who, he doesn't want to coach anymore. I don't know. No, he does because he wants to pass uh, Don Shula for for most wins of all time. I would, I would do anything you could to do that. And I would say goodbye, Arthur Smith, and then figure out a way, I guess, for him and Fontenot to work together. Or say, I wouldn't. I still want to give Bill GM. I think Bill's done some bad drafts recently, but I'm not opposed to. Bill will not do a consultancy, especially like he's 71. I think he wants to coach another four or five years. Like, I think he's he wants to win another Super Bowl as a coach. Um, to me, that'd be poetic to come to Atlanta, his first <laughs> Super Bowl without Tom Brady, right? In Atlanta, to be in Atlanta, right? Come that on. would be great. Come on down, Bill. That's a good story. Line. That's a great story. Pay him as much as he wants. Get rid of this guy who has no idea what he's doing and can't utilize his weapons. You know, beat the Patriots, you know, in that, the Super Bowl. And that's the thing that Bill Belichick does. And that he's so smart at over the course of his career has always been how exactly what I said earlier. He creates mismatches with his best weapons. And you know he'd also coach the hell out of that defense. He's always a defensive minded guy. Now I'm just thinking of like different people we could hire. Sure. Well, what about bringing Deion Sanders back to Atlanta? As the coach? Yeah. He doesn't want to do NFL, I think. I don't think his style fits no. NFL because like you, you look at him at Colorado. 
and he's very much like he's old school, you know, where he's like really getting in people's faces. And I just don't think that translates to the, the, the NFL. You think Tom Brady would come to Atlanta as a coach, <laughs> a head coach? <laughs> yeah. Might as well get him in there at quarterback at this point. No, I don't, no, Brady signed that big deal with Fox for like $300 million to be the broadcaster. Yeah, so Matt Ryan working with, for CBS and bring Matt Ryan back in. I would love Matt Ryan to be involved in this organization in a meaningful way. Like Chipper Chipper Jones style. Yeah, like consult like yeah, Matt Ryan's your consultant or something. How about like, our quarterback's coach? Yeah, bring Matt Ryan back as quarterback's coach. That would be great. He could also probably go out there and do better than Heineke or Ritter at this point. Like it's crazy. But yeah, like we to the 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 larger point is that Arthur Smith doesn't have a guy he can ping pong with right now. He has a bunch of guys that have like as much or close to as much experience as him in like coordinator positions. You don't have that dog that you can that you can talk to. So we actually like came to some sort of like reasonable conclusion on this yeah. week's show. No, I was I was really determined today when I was walking all these beasts. I was just thinking about gotta listen to Adam. Gotta pay attention. Not that I don't pay attention, but I just feel like, you know, like we talked about at the start of the show, like there are times when I just get lost in the sauce and lost in my own shit and start just Squash, squash, squash. And I was still able to do that a little bit, but I was also able to make salient points, and so were you. This is a this is a quality discussion. This is something and one of the better episodes of Atlanta Zone in recent memory. <laughs> this is something that we've learned on this week of Atlanta Zone. Yeah. That when you listen to other people, yep. they also tend to listen to you more. Yeah. For the first time. No. I, I paid attention to you. Well, sure. Yeah. I normally just ignore you <laughs> while you're screaming. Well, we talked about this a while ago. Now, there's a there's a stretch in I think twenty twenty one where we were kind of doing this too and we had the listening conversation i think we just had the every like three months we got every quarter a listening conversation just to like hold ourselves accountable listening conversation listening conversation we but, should change our name to just two guys <laughs> talking at each other talking at each other and here are the results uh all right we're gonna take a little break <laughs> and then we'll talk a lot of braves news tons of braves news this week and uh and last week after the world series ended so the World Series in last week, I can't remember. Either way, we got a ton of Braves news to talk about. We'll take a little break and then get to that. All right, Adam, we're t- back to talk about the Atlanta Braves. Hot stove. Hot stove is officially on. It's a little hot for Atlanta. The big news this week, we'll get into like uh, which options were picked up and which options weren't, but I think the, the, the big news to talk about right now, the most relevant news, Ron Washington has agreed to become the uh, excuse me, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim's new manager. So Ron Washington is out of here after, what, seven years, six, seven years? Yeah. Happy for Ron. Yeah. You know, well-deserved. You know, he obviously used to be the – Manager of the Rangers went through his issues with drugs. Yeah, but has like you know fully shown his worth and you know obviously deserves it. So good, good for him. I'm very yeah. happy for him. But feel, I'm, feel I'm, great for him. I'm yeah. concerned about what this means for the Braves. And yeah. he's taking freaking Eric Young he's with him. Taking as well. Eric Young Senior with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, Wash was huge not just as a third base coach, but as an infield coach, uh, doing drills like crazy with all the infielders. Clearly loved Ozzy Albies, loved all. I think he loved the entire team, and um, and and it was such a you know we talked about it 
a few weeks ago when the Braves lost. Uh, it's like we need to change things up a little bit, you know, in terms of maybe the coaches that are in the in the locker room. But I don't think either one of us were thinking Ron Washington. You know, it's like we need a different voice, but I didn't want to lose Ron Washington. Like Wash was the the one guy where I was like, he's as solid as they come. So sucks for us. We mentioned glad for him. Yeah. He's going to a shit show, though. That's the problem. Like, he's 71. He's going to an absolute shit show. They're going to lose Shohei Otani. They got an injured, aging Mike Trout. I feel, I feel, I kind of feel bad for the situation he's walking into, but he might turn them around. They could win 95 games. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Yeah. I think he's beyond Eric Young. He's bringing in like Clint Hurdle to be a coach with him. Mm. So he's kind of doing the snit thing where he's just, he's assembling all the old guys to like make one last Let's run. Let's get her done. Or right. he, he could be. Hey, I wish him truly, truly nothing but the best. I think he was a big part of our culture and getting us here. And I'll be curious to see how we respond. You know, I threw out Belichick for a hire for the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Let's go get David Ross, who just, he's no longer the manager of the Cubs. Right. Craig Council came in. Right. So David Ross is out there now. You know, maybe bring in David Ross. Bring him in as a potential heir apparent to Snit. Did you hear about his sort of confrontations with players uh, on the Cubs? I heard a little bit about it. Tell me more about it. Apparently with uh, Contreras, not not our former Contreras, but the, the Cubs' former Contreras. Wilson. Wilson. Um, you know, like he was, he actually might be the guy we kind of need to be an asshole. Because apparently he was a bit of an asshole to him. And apparently he was posting on X or Twitter or whatever the fuck it's called now about issues he had with Rossi and you know Rossi's beloved by Braves country we we know his contributions uh and uh, from about what 2010 to 2013 uh huge huge player for us as a backup catcher and good baseball mind I didn't really watch a lot of Cubs games so I can't really say what he was like as a manager but we need an asshole we kind of I mean Ron Washington was kind of that asshole too and holding people accountable we need someone to replace that so I'm not I am not opposed to it um, and it's not like we're going to be going like super out of house for, you know, he's a guy who knows the Braves way and all that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not opposed. Like I said, I think it could be a good move, but I, I, it's interesting that I also think it's just like a thing with players now. Like imagine if Twitter and social media were around in the nineties the and the eighties and the seventies, all the shit we'd hear about of all these other coaches being pricks to players. And, you know, it's just part it of the changes game. Everything. Some, some people are, some people are assholes and manage like that, but sometimes I guess the best out of people. But um, I think we need a bit of a cultural change, particularly in the postseason. And let's also remember Rossi showed up in the postseason, that wild card game, he hit the two run bomb to give us the lead. Uh, you know, he saw as a come. He was he won the, the World Series with the Cubs, yeah. you know, as a player. He knows how to win in the playoffs. Um, even though he didn't get the Cubs there, but I don't know if I put that as much on him as the roster. I, I'm. I would be willing to kick the can there, kick the tires, see see what's up with David Ross. I feel like he's going to be a pretty hot name to bring him in. Like you have to like give him some sort of promises that you'll be taken over in a couple of years or something like that. Maybe, but I also I also wonder about that just because of how he didn't get the Cubs to where they thought he could get them. So maybe he's not as hotly pursued. But you could be right. Maybe he is. But I kind of. And this is totally conjecture. I have no idea what people are saying in baseball circles, but I think you could go get him if you really wanted him. I would think so. Yeah, without without the guarantees. Assuming he wants to take a lesser position, right? It might be good for him though to because think about it too. Like he 
was a player like what like he retired like four or five years ago or six years whatever it was and then doesn't play for a little bit then comes in and replaces Joe Madden and then doesn't do much maybe he needs to learn like he never was like an assistant coach or anything yeah you know like maybe this would help him to be the third base coach and the infield guy, you know, he was a good defender too. Like I actually, the more I talk about it, the more I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, we already have Sal Fasano who's like a solid catching coach though. That's, sure. That's the kicker. And Eddie Perez is there too. Yeah. Um, not to say he needs to be a catching coach, but he could maybe he could do more. Yeah. He could do things to help. And I think also like him being closer with, you know, closer to like, think about it too, like Snitker, Wash, Eric Young, Walt Weiss, you know, these guys old as fuck in, in terms of like if you compare them to like where our where our players are right so it might be good to have a guy on the coaching staff who's a little younger who is a player within the last decade ross can be our don't be a bitch in the playoffs yes coach. yes and which, which, That's we his need, title. which we need we need a guy to light the fire um okay. so yeah this might be a secretly show up amazing thing yeah big show up guy um so I'm 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 for it. Let's see what happens. Well, let's mark it down. Right. It's going to happen. So David Ross, he's our you know, just put it in the universe. He's going to be our, our new third base coach. He's new third base coach. Let's bring in a crime dog to be our first base coach, Freddie McGriff. Oh. You know, or Andrew. Andrew's been around a lot, dude. I would love Crime Dog to be the the first base coach. That'd be epic. Either one of those guys. Like, I, I think we let's let's stick with our roots. Yeah, some, some bulldogs, some former Braves from our past. Yeah. And a little younger, and just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I'd be for that. But is that be good? Because you can balance balance out the young with the old. Because also, like, Crime Dog hasn't played in twenty ish years, so it's like you got <laughs> you got but you got but you got David Ross who's played in the last decade, McGriff who played in the decades prior, and then you got Weiss and Snit who long time ago. So you're on board. I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. GM Adam. Yeah, I think GM Adam's doing work. So GM Adam also re-signed Charlie Morton. $20 million option for 2024. How do you feel about that? It's fine. Yeah. Like, I think he was pretty solid th- for the most part last year. And yeah. I don't think we're going to – we need, like, four pitchers, so might as well plug in Charlie as one of them. Yeah, especially it's like you know that he's going to be able to give you innings. You know that his influence on the pitching staff. Um, I think it's a fine move – Still a lot of money, but, you know, it is what it is at this point. And I just have no idea how Anthopolis is going to approach the rotation and free agency. So you need to get as many arms in here as you can. And Charlie was much better this year than he was last year. So I'm not opposed to it. This is probably going to be the last hurrah, though, because he's going to be 41, I think, by the end of the season, uh, 2024 season. So I, it's fine. I'm going to get somewhat controversial on the podcast for us oh i like this but i want your opinion on it no of course that's why we're here how do you feel about us bringing trevor bauer in my Uh, understanding is he was cleared of all the accusations i think there's more but i I don't have like a full understanding of it i think the ones he was initially charged with he's clear with it um and then there's others that i think that are forthcoming from the last time I looked into it, which was about three or four months ago. So that, that could all... Oh, no. Yeah, no. There's like like within the last like month, it's yeah, like he's been completely cleared of everything. Oh, okay. Well, um, morally sort of objectionable, but the Braves obviously don't have 
too much of a problem with domestic abuse, I guess, with Marcelo Zuna. Uh, I worry more, so like, if you take the moral implications out of it, and just focus squarely on the baseball thing. But, uh, but, but, let me finish. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. But I would lean towards no, just because he hasn't pitched in a year and a half. Like, you know, it's kind of like Deshaun Watson. Um, I guess a similar circumstance in more ways than one, but talking about a guy who was great, you know, then he had the legal issues and he was suspended. Been in Japan. But he's been pitching in Japan. Yeah, but, pitching in Japan. Eh. Like, Touching 99 on his fastball okay, well, in his most recent outing in Japan. You could do it. was dominant. I mean, the the good news about where he's at compared to where Deshaun was at is that, you know, Deshaun got the richest deal, I think, in NFL history, at least the most guaranteed money in NFL history, despite all his craziness off the field. Uh, Bauer probably can't command that at this point. Um, so with Charlie Morton, one-year, $20 million prove-it deal? You could you could do it. I would be a little wary of it because even though pitching in the Japanese leagues is is good, it still doesn't compare to pitching in Major League Baseball. So I would say I'm in a position to say no to that, um, on a purely baseball terms, just because the full rigors of the the Major League season and all that stuff. Like he hasn't experienced that in a while. All right, all right brass tacks. Yeah, but do, do you want Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. or Sonny Gray, Jared Schuster? In your rotation. Hell, I just don't know what Bauer I'm getting, I'll even though, give man. you Trevor Bauer or Bryce Elder. Let's just start there. You take an Elder or Bauer? I mean, Bauer on pure stuff. Okay. A thousand percent, but... Worth exploring, maybe. Maybe. It's just... You just never know. Like, if the, here's the problem with guys like that, even if he is cleared of whatever's going on right now. Something could come up again. You, you just don't know. It's like the same thing with Deshaun Watson. It's like something could come up again. Like people who make decisions like that on a, on especially repeatedly, yeah. um, it's in their nature. You know, it's it. it, it I don't know. It's, it just kind of worries me that you know you could be getting in a situation where he does something else really stupid off field, and then you're fucked for it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, it 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 depends on the money, right? You know, yeah, it depends if, on the money. If, if, if he the moral can, implications if, if he can be like, that's not like our guy. Like we're getting Sonny Gray, we're getting oh, okay one of those other guys uh-huh. we named last week. Sure. I don't remember. There's a lot of names There's out there. A lot there. of guys out there. Uh, but if he's like, yeah, let's bring him in. You know, fight for our fifth starter spot. You could do it, but I mean, if he's fighting for the fifth starter spot, you better not be paying him twenty million dollars. Like I don't, I don't know if he's going to command that much money. You could take a flyer on him. I don't know all the details on all the the off the field stuff, so it's like it's morally a little a little sketchy to me, a little racy. But it's not, you know. I like that you're thinking outside the box a little bit. Thanks, Graham. Yeah. Uh, um, Eddie Rosario option declined. Brad Hand option declined. Um, how do you feel about that? We we had more declines as well, right? We're yeah, we had more declines. Start, okay. but I want to talk about those guys. First. Uh, Rosario Hand. I'm cool with moving on from Rosario. It yeah. seems like everything is setting up for Jorge Soler. He opted out of his Marlins contract. Yes. So I think we're setting up for Soler. I think is Jock available as well again? I think he could be available. Like, that's fine. Eddie, like, I agree that, you know, over the course of a season, he did not prove himself to be a viable everyday player. We yeah. owe him a World Series. 
yeah, no, we're grateful. You could build a statue of the guy, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. His twenty twenty one postseason contributions are legendary. Like that's that's one of the greatest postseason performances ever for for a Brave. Uh, we much reverence for that, but in terms of what he's given us recently, last two years, it's been pretty shit. I mean, last year was okay, but it was, still wasn't good, and he didn't do anything in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah done. Done, done, done. Yeah, so g- g- good to see Anthopolis can, you know, as we all know, think logically. Yeah, take the emotion out of it. Yeah, for oh. sure. Um, hand, I would, I, what was the option, do you know? I think it was $7 million. I would have done that, probably. Uh, maybe, Unless but... Unless you have, like, a lot of plans Yeah, <laughs> for the bullpen. He's, he's great against left-handers, okay against right-handers. It's still a lot of money to give a bullpen guy that's not like a like a, either your premier setup or your closer. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy on that myself, but I, I understand it's too early in the off season to kind of judge these things like yeah. on face value. We got mm-hmm. to see what they did. If at the end of the day, we have a couple bums in there, then obviously I prefer a veteran like hand. Right. But Rosario, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Even though I'm, I'm looking right now at a, Los Angeles Times newspaper on my wall that has Eddie Rosario in it. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, Colin McHugh's gone as well. His options not picked up, which I think is fair considering injuries and just wasn't very effective last year. Yep, he was terrible. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Yates, your boy, the guy you're championing ever since they signed him. So we're a little surprised by that gone. one. Gone. I thought, I thought, what was the option there? Uh, 5.75 million. Interesting. Anthopoulos must not have. I mean, he must have seen something he didn't like. And Kirby, yeah, I, I thought okay. Kirby was good enough for five million. Yeah, maybe be your fourth or fifth best pitcher in the bullpen. We know that Anthopoulos usually builds up the bullpens pretty well. Um, so he must have his sights set on on something that he thinks is better. Because he's pretty smart about the bullpen, I think overall over the years. So I, I'm going to trust him there. I mean, you should trust him in general, but like. The way he constructs bullpens, even though I know our bullpen is a little shaky this year, I give him the benefit of the doubt overall. Yeah, you also might be getting Tyler Matzik back this year. Um, mm. Who knows how that's going to work out? I know he's still under contract, um, but well, but he should be playing this year again. The 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 greatest inning of all time pitched in Game Six of the NLCS in twenty twenty one. I hope he returns, and I hope he kicks ass again. That would just be so inspirational and so beautiful well and some of these guys that they're declining as well like they could still come back you know yeah i just come back for lesser a lesser deal yeah Yeah, i mean that could that could happen like i think i think brad hand considering i think he was 35 or something a seven and a half million option for that yeah yeah that's fair yeah uh so there are buyouts of five hundred thousand dollars for hand one million for McHugh, and 1.25 million for yates none for the others so you're still coughing up something even though you're declining those options um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the Braves in terms of what's going on in the hot stove so far. Um, but just to fill some time here, now that we haven't talked about a lot of other shit, uh, Jeff Schultz, who's been an Atlanta sports writer for as long as I can remember on the athletic posted an interesting story talking about the Braves postseason failures of the last couple of years saying like, you know, a lot of the things that the Braves did in the 90s and 2000s was just sort of like run it back. It's like, well, surely we can't have this bad luck again. Like, let's let's just run it back, you know, not make super huge adjustments, even though sometimes big adjustments were made, like bringing in Gary Sheffield, bringing in 
um, Vinny Castilla. You know, like moves were made, but it was like the core kind of stayed the same. He's kind of advocating for the Braves to not blow it up, but like change it up a little bit more. He's like, you could get rid of Marcelo Zuna. That's not a blow it up thing. But it's also a guy that hit 40 home runs, over 100 RBIs, had a resurgent season. I think that's a potentially smart move to potentially try to move Ozuna in the last year of his contract. His value will probably never be higher. He's probably not going to replicate those numbers. Um, just laws of regression. I'm not opposed to that. I don't consider Ozuna the core of this team, though, do you? He's a major contributor last year. Started most of the games. Um, I don't think he's the future, but he is a guy that, you know, produced a lot of runs for us last season. I mean, I think if you're really, really mixing it up, you're talking about trading a guy like Ozzy so that's or Michael ne- Harris. That's his next thing. Okay. So he's like, yeah, you could trade Ozzy. I don't agree with that just because his contract is so favorable and he's such a valuable contributor to the offense. It's like, you could throw out names all day, but it's like, what are you doing with that? Like, if you trade Ozzy, which I would be heartbroken over, who are you? You better be getting like a top flight starter or something, yeah. you know? Like, that would be the only way I could see that. You also I, mentioned Arcia, uh, which. That's that's potatoes. He's a, Yeah, he's not going to get you much. I feel like his value is a bench player, basically. Yeah, like Ozzy Albies, you're going to get really good value from. So that you could do that, but that's kind of scary to me. Well, let's talk through this. Okay. You trade Ozzy. For who? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm not going to interrupt. You know where Ozzy would want to go? To where his mentor is. Oh, to the Angels. Ron Washington. You trying to get Mike Trout? Yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and we got we got Vaughn Grissom to play second. Second base. So okay. Vaughn Grissom at second. To get Mike Trout, you got to trade Ozzy. You got to trade... Well, the thing is, Mike Trout's been in. Like, he missed most of last season. Like, you could maybe get him cheaper than you ever could. Probably not straight up for Ozzy. No, maybe. not straight up. You have to give him something else. But right, but that that's mixing it up. That's mixing it up. That also gives you, you know, Mike Trout can DH if you do trade Ozuna. Yeah, you um, got to throw Ozuna in the mix there. You're right. Oh, imagine an outfield of Mike Trout. Ronald Acuna and Michael Harris. Let's that would be go. elite defensively. Yeah. Oh, at GM Adam. Hey, Alex, if you listen <laughs> to the show, we might have an idea yeah, for Yeah, Zuna, Ozzy, and I don't want to trade Hurston Waldrop, but you might have to throw in a prospect like that. Maybe. Maybe, maybe we'll do Smith Schauber instead. They have to take all of Zuna's money, though. Yeah. They have to take all. It's just one year, though. Yeah, but that's fine. It's still like, what, 20 something million. Right. So. I think that's viable. That's interesting. Interesting thought. Um, he also, I, I, he also it, threw out Smith Shaver and Hurston Waldrop. I don't want to get rid of either one of those guys. Um, I want this Waldrop kid, man. This Waldrop kid sounds really promising. The way he ascended through the minor league ranks last year was so fast. He'll probably pitch next year. I don't know in what role, but he'll probably pitch next year. Like He, he seems like the next For the big league team. So, yeah, I mean, I keep accumulating this pitching depth. Don't get rid of pitchers. But, yeah, I mean, maybe obviously having – you know, a stud one to nine lineup that's not going to win a World Series. So maybe we can just have six or seven great hitters. Yeah. And, you know, a few more serviceable guys. Yeah. Or and if a you, guy like Grissom's going to step in yeah. and step up. Maybe. Like, but like if you go with your plan, the final piece of your plan would be you sign Jorge Soler to be your DH. 
So you have Soler at DH, Trout, Acuna, and um, Harris in center field. Von Grissom at second. You take your lumps there defensively, maybe offensively a little bit, but you make up for it with Soler and Trout if Trout can stay healthy. Holy shit. You on board? A little bit. I, I just love Ozzy so much. He's my boy. I spent so much money on his jersey at the clubhouse store. But you got to think, like, he has even all that more value because of that contract you mentioned. Yes. So, like, that makes it even more valuable. Mm-hmm. And, like, to go out to L.A. and kind of be, like, a new face of that franchise and just, like, such – he just puts out such great vibes Positive into the energy. world. Yeah. I feel like the Angels could, like, just use a reset like that. You know, he's not on the tier of a Mike Trout, obviously, but, like, Mike Trout's not going to stay there long after, although no. I think he's locked up for a while. Yeah, I think he's got three or four more years left on his deal, so... That's important. We didn't even... We didn't... GM Adam didn't crunch the numbers mm-hmm. on how many years he has left, but I don't think... I don't see the Angels winning the World Series within no. the next four years, no, so... No, they're screwed. You know, bring in Ozzy, bring in Ozuna... Bring in Smith Shaver. Maybe try to get, yeah. Uh, maybe try to get uh, the wild card spot or something. Yeah. You know, mix it up. Yeah. It's interesting. That's interesting. He also mentioned Michael Harris and Darno. Um, I'm anti trading for Mike Harris, even though he's one for 27 in the postseason so far in his career. I just think he's so fucking good and so young and so controllable. You don't, you don't do that. Yeah. I mean, with the, the Darno piece, I think there could be some value to like, just being like, hey, Sean, this is your team. Like, you're number one. Oh, Murphy. Yeah. Catcher. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Darno is a huge part of the clubhouse as well. Yeah. Le- I leadership wanna, wise. I wouldn't want to get rid of him or Harris. Especially like with losing Ron Washington, losing yeah. Eric Young. Like, yeah. It's a lot. It's like, think about it, in the last like three years, you would have lost Freddie, Dansby, EY, Wash. That's a lot. It's, it's another reason I'm glad that like Charlie Morton's coming back. Yeah, provide some stability, particularly with a young rotation, and it just also really emphasizes this is the last year of Strider, Freed, Morton. This is it because more uh, you know Freed's last season um, with the Braves before his contract runs out, before he actually hits free agency. Morton's going to retire sooner or later. This is it. You got it. You got to make make hay, and this is why it also puts a, a, a really big emphasis on trying to add more starting pitching depth like a Sonny Gray or someone like that to come in and really s- stabilize this rotation. If Bryce Elder is your fifth starter, goddamn, like that, that looks good to me. If you have a rotation of Freed, Strider, Morton, Sonny Gray, and Bryce Elder, let's rock. Like that's, that, that sounds great. So you just need one more starter. I really just need one more starter, and I, I, I'm a believer in letting young talent play out. Elder might not be the guy we saw in the first half, but he could be. But this is his first full season. He's probably somewhere between the first half and the second yeah, half. Yeah, so let's find out. And if that's your fifth guy, then so be it. And if those other guys can stay healthy, fine. And then Hurston Waldrop could be there, and maybe he's going to be... Smith Shaver. Uh, well, unless you trade him to the Angels for Mike Trout. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> it was going to be a really fascinating offseason. I don't think it's going to be as uh, explosive as we're predict- or as, as GM Adam wants it to be. But I kind of like where your head's at. Like, that's... Some ballsy shit. Because I think, like, honestly, you upgrade with Solaire over Ozuna to me. Because I think Solaire is younger, more powerful, coming back home. Um, and then Mike Trout's Mike Trout. I mean, he's still maybe not what he was 
seven, eight years ago, but he's still really, 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 really good. Um, Any so, chance? So you're 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 upgrading. To I me. like that trade. I think and you're that, upgrading left field big time. I think that's more feasible. Mm-hmm. But any chance? We just have to at least say it this offseason. Yeah. Are we in the running for Shohei Otani at all? No, I think Could he's going to be our big money. I think he's going to want too much. I think the Dodgers have like they had could, like a three year plan. We of, could afford it. He's going to want like five hundred. Doesn't matter. Dollars. Yeah, we, I mean you could. We but, could afford it. Is he the guy to like finally put that huge contract down on? You could try. You could absolutely try. I just although he's not pitching this year. He's not pitching this year, but his offense is still so good that you know Shohei and Acuna. Come on, man. yeah, it'd be sick. I mean, that would be amazing. I just don't think that's within the realm of possibility. With with think about it, oh man, imagine all the. T- I mean, we already sell a lot of tickets. It would be sold out every night. Like we had a lot of sellouts this year, but it'd be sold out every night. Um, Business wise, like I think that's where like a contract it pays like off. That, the investment pays off. It is right? worth it. Yeah, like, no, I, I mean, people like I'm all for it. I just don't even consider it because I don't think the Braves do that kind of stuff. You know, like people who aren't into baseball, like know who Shohei Otani is. Shohei Otani is yeah. like a Shaquille O'Neal. You right. Know? Like, he is just like that. He's that He's that dude. He's he is that him. Dude. He is him. Right. Like, yeah. people should know Ronald Acuna Jr. like that, but they don't. They don't. Um, but Otani's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of talent with the pitching and hitting at a high level. Even if he doesn't, he's not going to pitch this year, but, like, he could rehab and I still just become think, that like, guy. All these guys, like, he's going to go to, you know, maybe just go to – the Dodgers or the Mets or the Mets or the Yankees. And I, I really hope he doesn't go to the Mets. I just really think these, like if we're willing to pay the money, these guys really need to consider Atlanta. Like we have so much to offer. We have such a great core. Buttload of talent. Yeah. And like, I mean, you, you know, like just coming to our stadium, it's like electric right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and you know that Otani doesn't want to go back to L, uh, the Angels. I want one of those guys, Graham. At the end of the day, brass tacks. I want Mike Trout. I want Otani. I love it. You know, why don't you just do your plan and then sign Otani in free agency? <laughs> and then... Oh, that'd be sick. Uh, yeah, it would be sick. And then you don't that's, have to... That's and, how you get... And then you don't have to sign Solaire because then Otani can be your DH. Yeah. Now you're cooking. Now you're thinking big picture. You know, it's so good that it can't possibly happen. Like, that's... Absurd. Imagine this is the happiest I've been in like two yeah, no, months, like, like, sports wise. Sports wise, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Forget about your daughter's birth, but you know. Uh, so, like, let's think about this, all right? So, fill up your lineup card: Acuna, first; Otani, second; Matt Olson, third; Austin Riley, four; Mike Trout, five; um, Sean Murphy, six. Who would be seven? Arcia. Arcia seven. Grissom. Grissom eight. Somebody we're forgetting about. Michael Harris. Michael Harris, nine. Michael, Michael Harris, still nine. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. That's still, like, that's sick. Yeah. Love you, Ozzy. Love you, Ozzy, but if he we might can have pull to that go, off, bro. then so be it. He, he's, got, he's our most valuable contract. Um, we can't trade Acuna. No. So there's, there's Ozzy's no next. Like, you you got to give something up to get something. I mean, it was kind of like when we traded, you know, Martin Prado for Justin Upton. I mean, obviously... There's no comparison to Justin Upton for Otani or Trout, excuse me. But, um, yeah, that would be insane. Literally insane. So, Alex, there's a perfect plan for you. 
You're welcome. Go execute. You're welcome. That's for free. This is what happens. Just bring us a championship. When we Christ listen sake. to each other. When we listen to each other, we yes. come up with good ideas. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, not talking Hawks this week. Uh, I think they're four and three. They play in Mexico City tonight. Oh, for the, uh, the, pl- the, the not the playing tournament. Now, I don't know if this is part of the tournament, Graham. I think they're just randomly playing there. Oh, great. But um, it might be part of the tournament. Who knows? That's why we're not talking Hawks. Cool. Yeah, because like I haven't watched the last two games. I don't think you watched the last two games, so we're a little behind. But they're, they're still doing fine. Still four and three. I think they're playing tonight against Washington in Mexico City. In Mexico City, nine thirty. It might be a part of this new tournament. It might not be. We don't know. We'll find out. Uh, United won their last game, forcing a game three against the Columbus Crew. Uh, they looked pretty good. I was I was into it. I watched the game. Went four to one. Are they in the playoffs? This is the playoffs. Is this, oh, this playoffs. Yes, yeah, playoffs. So, so I game, should start watching. Yeah, game three is on the 12th, which I think is uh, either Saturday or Sunday. Okay. So uh, it was exciting, though. It was, it was kind of like got me a little little, ba- little bit back into Atlanta United, but not enough to the point where I really care. So, so this, this is what it feels like to be one of those fans. You know, the people that just watch the Braves in the playoffs. Yeah, the bandwagon. If, if people just watch the Braves in the playoffs for the last 30 years, they're very disappointed. That's true. <laughs> yeah. By and large, despite the two World Series. That's a good point. Yeah. We'll move on from that point. We'll move on from that point. Probably wrap up the show. Uh, yeah, this is it. Um, thank you guys for listening. We hope you're doing well. We'll see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.